0: Today's episode is going to be a little different. We're going to do another mailbag episode. Haven't done that in a while. And really the goal today is just to be answering some questions that I get very, very frequently in my inbox, in my direct messages, and of course, over in the Efficient Advisor community on Facebook. So literally all the places, including one question that I have been putting off answering until today. So let's dive in. Look, I know you're here because you know it's possible to have energy leftover for your family. And I'm not talking like leftover energy. I'm talking that like first fruits energy and still have your dream business. You know, the business that you are running instead of it running you. So if you're new to the Efficient Advisor, welcome. I'm Libby Grywe, and I started Built and Sold by age 37, a 100% referral-only planning practice that I grew to seven figures as a solo advisor all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year to lean into being a mom, a wife, a friend, a sister, a daughter, and frankly, a travel obsessed human who just loves taking vacations. And I'm here to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same and to help you take immediate action on the most important strategies for scaling, organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. I am here for that. We're about to transform your practice. So move over exhaustion, get out of the way, Advisor ADD. It is time to take that one right next step to build a business and a life that you love. Okay, so I haven't done a mailbag episode in quite some time. So I love getting emails. I love getting questions. I love knowing what matters to advisors and what's really important and top of mind to you. So I have had a couple of the same questions keep coming up over and over and over again in all of the various locations, so I felt it was time to do a mailbag episode. So today we're gonna really focus in on three main questions. We're gonna talk about the group coaching program and what's up with it. I have been getting so many messages from people Just asking when it's going to launch. I know we were going to try to launch earlier this year, and then I went through a whole heap of things and we were retooling and recalibrating. And I'm super duper excited to kind of share what's going on there. We're also going to talk about how and where to capture that unique personal data that you're collecting on your clients and you know, the data that allows you to really give them a customized, personalized experience from a client experience perspective, like how do we capture this intel? Where do we store it? And then what do we do with it? And then the third question we're going to talk about is taking off Fridays. And I know at face value, that seems kind of silly. You're like, you just take off Fridays, but we're going to, um, really get into what to consider before making that jump, some of the different nuances to reducing your schedule and just things to think through and to consider. And then of course, just a whole heap of encouragement to anyone who's thinking that that might be a great idea and kind of give you some strategies to tiptoe your way into accomplishing that. Okay, so I'm excited to finally be able to give you some major details related to the group coaching. I get asked maybe several times a month, hey, when are you gonna launch? When are you gonna start? And I kept pushing it back for some personal reasons. It has been a season in my life, you guys, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. So I wanna dig into the group coaching really quick. So first of all, what is it? It is, we ran a test group. We've done a couple test groups now where we've been, testing some of the content, restructuring it, and we're gonna run two more test groups. This time around, we're gonna do one focused on advisors in the broker-dealer space, and then one for advisors in the RIA or hybrid or more independent space that just have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to the things that they can and can't do, you know, like things like control over tech stack, etc., etc. et cetera. So just a different set of issues and concerns, but the core is going to be exactly the same. So set content, set curriculum, um, just kind of customized to those two groups. So now of course you do what works for you, but If there's an RIA in the broker-dealer group, great. It's all good. It's not going to be a hard, fast rule. Just a general idea of something else that I wanted to test. Now, I love diversity in a group. I love people coming from different demographic backgrounds and serving different demographic clients. I love different, maybe industry-specific, people who have a a niche, some people who don't have a niche, broker-dealer, RIA. I love diversity in a group. However, I have heard from you guys saying, Hey, I would love to, I'm in a broker dealer space with a pretty conservative broker dealer. I'd love to find other people and figure out how they're navigating some of these issues while going through that content. So because I'm a huge fan of testing and tweaking, we're going to give it another go. And our official launch date is August 24th. So I'm super excited about that. And so, okay, what is it? So I have been in the industry for almost two decades now, which is kind of crazy to me when I think about it. And over those two decades, I have established sort of six layers of running a business. So this is not the same thing as the seven processes within a financial planning practice. This is sort of the six layers of what I call the systems to scale. So kind of the six key things that every small business advisor business needs to move through in order to be a scaled, efficient, self-managing killer business that allows you the flexibility and freedom to live life on the terms that you want to live it on, but then also to have the structure and the organization within the business to keep you out of that place of overwhelm and in a place where you feel like you're running your business instead of it running you. And I'm not going to get into all of the details here because this is not a commercial for the uh, group coaching program, but it's a 10-month program. For those of you that have been asking, it starts August 24th when all the kiddos are in school. We do take a break then for the holidays, and then we wrap up in June so you can enjoy your summer. And we meet almost weekly. It will be on Thursdays for a combination of live sessions, hot seat, hot seat coaching, pre-recorded sessions, like all the things. And it's a small group of only 10 to 12 advisors. So you can really get to know each other and it has that whole mastermind feel. That's a really important thing to me because I love when we have seen our test groups take their, you know, issues, questions, concerns when they take them offline and they bounce ideas off of each other and develop these, you know, kind of career long friendships outside of the mastermind, which I think is really cool. And if you're like Libby, I cannot wait till August. That feels so far away. I have been anxiously awaiting you giving us the friggin' start date. Um, When you told me it was going to be in January of this year, I've got you. There are some other coaching options for you that can tide you over until we kick off. And I do have some capacity right now to add to that. So there's basically two different things. There is a CEO session, which is a one-time, one-on-one. It includes a pretty detailed intake form, a 90-minute session together where we go through anywhere from one to three issues within your business. It makes for a really good kind of thinking partner session, and then followed up with a pretty lengthy homework situation with videos to watch, worksheets to do, workbooks to work through, um, spreadsheets to run. Often, depending on what we're talking about within your business, there's a substantial amount of homework and things that happen afterwards. And then we just kind of ping back and forth from an accountability standpoint, asking questions until you've really kind of accomplished the three big goals that you've set out to achieve within that CEO session. The other way that we can work together until August, if you're like, I can't wait, is a six pack of one-on-one sessions. So this is six one-hour sessions, same thing, pretty substantial intake, pretty substantial amount of homework. Um, the cadence is sort of up to you, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I know, gosh, you guys, I I feel terrible. I've been getting so many people asking about it and I haven't had a hard, fast date for you. So I'm really, really excited. Um, if that is of interest to you, the group coaching Get on, go to the efficientadvisor.com or check out the show notes for wherever you listen to this podcast, and I will have the link for the group coaching program wait list. And that will be the first group of people to get notified. There will be, like I said, 10 to 12 spots per group, and it'll be first come, first serve. So make sure you're on the wait list because they will be the first ones to be notified. And when you go out to the website, just go to the coaching tab, go to the group coaching section, and then click join wait list. And I won't get into all the details of the curriculum, you can check that on the website too. That's just, again, that's not really what this podcast is about. I just wanted to answer the question with the start date. Um, I was gonna try to kick it off now, but with summer right around the corner, it just didn't line up the way that I like it. And you know me, I like to be really, really intentional about things. And I also hate waiting, patience is not my strong suit. But patient I must be, we've been reworking and retooling this based off of the, the first couple of rounds. And I'm super pumped. I think this is going to be a great session. And then we're going to take all of the data that we kind of um, gather from this last test group and really try to memorialize the, the offering and be able to do that again in January. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. And I got this one a couple of times and I thought this was a good one. It was all surrounding how, you know, Libby, you talk all the time about collecting kind of this personal data on your clients, you know, capturing things that they're interested in, um, their hobbies, their activities, just, you know, all of those details that you want to extrapolate from conversations and store somewhere. And the question was, is like, okay, well, what do I do with that information? Um, And you can call this a couple of different things. I've heard it called a client preference overview. I've heard it called client intel. I don't really know that it matters whatever you call it, but gathering this type of information needs to be an intentional part of your process. And I think often for advisors, it's just an afterthought. And then we think like, okay, well, what do we, like, this is really like, we should do this. Where do I put it? So essentially what we need is a place to store customized Intel about your clients. And why do we need to do that? Right? Because this will help you customize your thank yous. So let's say a client refers you to um, an ideal client avatar couple and they come in and they become clients of yours. And you want to send a thank you to the referring clients. It's great to be able to pop over to this client Intel sheet and so, you know what, they're going on a trip to Italy in six months. Why don't we get them a Italy guidebook? Or, gosh, they've told us that they really love such and such restaurant. Wouldn't it be great if we just got them a gift card and sent it to them? Um, and then, hey, take it to the next level and say like, hey, no, you guys love this restaurant. Um, you swear by the, I don't know, like the Reuben sandwich. And, you know, thanks so much for referring, blah, blah, blah. Like customizing it to their likes, their preferences, etc. So, which kind of reminds me The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Are you looking to start your own podcast but don't know where to begin? Look no further than the School of dot com. Our comprehensive online courses and one-on-one coaching will teach you everything you need to know from equipment and editing to marketing and monetization. At theschoolofpodcasting.com, you'll be creating high-quality, engaging content in no time. Say goodbye to frustration and uncertainty and hello to the community at theschoolofpodcasting.com. Yeah, I guess we'll take a little bit of a left turn here, but hey, it's my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. Um, But this is also important information we do, or we did in our practice, and we updated it every few years, but we did a family tree. And every few years, we would update the family tree with our clients and just make sure we kind of were just on the up and up of like, you know, are mom and dad still alive? What are they up to? Where do they live? You know, do they have siblings? What are their kids up to? What are their current jobs? The grandkids, what are the grandkids into? You know, and just kind of finding a place to store all of that information. So we did kind of two different variations of the client intel process, really. So we had our family tree, and that was great for me because it allowed me, I could quickly look at it before a client meeting and be able to ask, personalized or customized questions to our clients, right? Like, hey, how is you know, little Johnny doing with baseball? Is he still, you know, is he still like the cutest thing ever learning to pitch? Or, you know, just whatever that like little detail stuff is that makes your clients think, gosh, she remembers everything about me. And that's so great that she remembered um a detail about somebody or something that was actually, you know, really important to us. And that was a comment that we got a lot from our clients was about how they felt like we really, really knew them. And then on the converse that they felt like they really knew us. Cause I can remember sitting with a client, gosh, I can picture this like it was yesterday, and her saying something to me at the end of our meeting and we were just yakking about my kids and stuff. And she said to me, She goes, I just feel like I know you and your children. You, you have shared so many funny stories and, you know, antidotes. And I just love hearing about it. And she just, it made me realize like, I don't even know if my previous advisor was married or had kids. Like we just never, I don't know. We just never crossed that boundary. And for me, that was a compliment, right? Like that She felt like she knew me and my kids. I felt like I knew her and her family. And we could have these conversations about these um, people in our lives that we've never met before because of that connection and that intentionality behind our conversations. Okay. So again, kind of a hard, hard turn there. Let's come back to it. So, but whatever you want to call it or however you want to do it, you just have to have an intentional process. So here's what we need right we have to have a way to acquire the information so some advisors i'll give you a couple examples i love examples um so some advisors ask very intentional questions during that discovery process um you know and have these questions that they kind of weave into their conversations naturally and then are documenting the answers. And so that could be things like, you know, hey, what's your alma mater? Where'd you go to, you know, where'd you go to school? Or, um, you know, what, like, where do you guys like to hang out? Like, what do you do on the weekends? And what kind of activities are you involved in? And where do you go to church? Or, you know, just finding out this information, just kind of, through that discovery process intentionally and documenting it. Another way that we can do that is just through things that naturally occur in conversation. So if you're intentional about having kind of like chit-chat or I don't know what you'd want to call it, just kind of that friendly part of the conversation, if you're intentional about documenting things that your clients say and do. So I'll give you another example. I had this awesome client, Nancy. And Nancy was crazy. I loved her. She, every year, she had a friend, Tracy. And they would go on these, like, Girls Weekend, like, total benders as, like, 50-year-old ladies. And I thought it was just, like, the most hilarious thing. And so I can remember when we were doing some sort of, I don't care, I don't remember what it was. Like, I was writing her a card. And I, you know, was able to write it and, like, hey, I hope you and Tracy... Um, get into a ton of trouble this summer on your blah, blah, blah adventure, you know, on your Royal Caribbean cruise or whatever it was that they were up to that summer. And she just thought that was the most hilarious thing. Showed it to her friend, Tracy. Tracy eventually became a client. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Like, where do we keep this information? So you have to be intentional about gathering it. And, you know, over the years, as client mentioned things, you know, if like asking about, upcoming travel is part of your thing. Where do people spend their money? What's their budget? You know, whatever. Just gathering all of that information about likes, dislikes. I also, I also have some advisors who send out, and I think this is really fun after like a client engages with them and they execute an onboarding process. In that onboarding process, I've had advisors send out a sheet to their clients that's like, hey, we're so glad you're here. You know, part of their almost like a drip marketing campaign after a client is onboarded. So we talk about that first 100 days. There's totally a ton of episodes about that and doing some of that human to human connection. So I had an advisory office send out a, hey, here's 10 kind of weird, interesting, quirky facts about me advisor. And then they did the same for director of operations and they did the same for, you know, the gal behind the front desk and they sent out this kind of cute I don't know, like one pager that said, like, here's my favorite restaurant and here's the weirdest job that I had, you know, as a teenager, or, you know, just kind of all of these like random little details about where they like to go out and what hobbies and things that they're interested in. And then they had a sheet for the clients to complete and send back. And it was like, hey, we're super excited to be working with you. We'd love to know some of these quirky facts about you too. And these clients would send these sheets back in and it would have, you know, just random information that was either funny or, um, like what's your favorite high school memory or, you know, stuff like that. And it gave not only conversation starters, but it was an opportunity for the clients to go, Oh my gosh, you love fly fishing. I love fly fishing. Or when you receive that client intel sheet back for someone in your office to have that connection with them, like, Oh my gosh, you love that hole in the walls, you know, best burgers, me too. My husband and I go there. Every single Friday night during happy hour or whatever, um, and that type of information. So then, where do we put it? And this can be as analog or as digital as you want, folks. So for us, we used Salesforce and we had a special box, um, like a special, you know, data entry point where we could type those that information is in as we got it, and then before my meetings, we could run a set of all of that information so it pulled just from that box so anything obscure or client intel related that we acquired over the years would pop on this list and then we just kind of keep it in the folder um so i was mostly digital but still had a paper folder in front of me so I could kind of just like peek at it and stuff because otherwise we had all of our client meetings up on a big screen and I didn't want to be like searching through their file and looking for like personal information about them where a client could see it up on the screen. So I did have like a little paper file in front of me where I would keep some of that information as well. So maybe if you're using Redtail or whatever CSM software you're using, just having a place or finding a place that you can store that and making it a habit, making it a practice, or it literally could just be a blank piece of paper in your file. If it were me, I would color code it because I love me some color coding, but I would have like a light pink piece of paper or something in the file. That's just where we capture that kind of information. And you could have it all fancy with, you know, typed out or you'd fill it in or it could just literally be a blank piece of paper that at the top says client and And as stuff pops up in meetings, you just flip over there and go their favorite drink from Starbucks is blah, blah, blah. Um, so it doesn't have to be ultra fancy. I don't want you to overthink it. I just want you to start. So. Pick a method, as basic as it is, and just start capturing that information because it will benefit you and your client relationship in the long run, the more information, the more data, the more human-to-human connection that we're building with our clients that is in addition to the business-to-business piece, right? Um, so it's this, it's this fringe stuff that actually makes a difference. And I say this all the time to people, but you know, there's any advisor can be super professional, can run on time. We all have pretty great products and services that we can offer. You know, we can all be really great planners and do tax efficiency planning and think of all the things, right? We can do everything for our clients on the business side and what most advisors miss is They miss the mark on this human to human connection, this caring piece. And when you can be intentional about layering in caring into your client relationships, that's when your business will start to take off. That's when those referrals will start to roll in like crazy. And we talk about the onboarding process and using that onboarding first 100 day window to solidify and be intentional about this human to human connection piece to really start off the relationship in a way that your clients feel like, oh, gosh, this is so different than what I've experienced from working with any other advisor. And that, my friends, is the referral sweet spot. Okay, so let's dive into the third and final question of the day, taking off Fridays. So this does, this seems to be a common theme lately, and I don't know if it's just because summer is coming up and, you know, business owners are looking to really maximize the the summer with their kids, with their family, enjoy the weather, take the dog for more walks, whatever. And it's funny because I coach advisors all the time on calendaring and, you know, balancing work and life and how to accomplish that. And it's funny how we overcomplicate things so much, right? Like taking off Fridays seems like it should just be like you just take off on Friday. And then we start to go, well, no, there's a lot to consider and blah, 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 blah. And then we kind of make it so complicated that we never do it. So today we're going to talk about kind of that happy medium that exists in the middle. Okay. So a couple of things that we want to be thoughtful about. So let's just talk about what we need to do in order to make this happen. Like, practically, logistically, all the things. So one of the questions I get a lot about taking Fridays off is what does that mean to our clients and how do we prepare our clients for it and how do we communicate that to our clients? And so I guess this is operating under the assumption that you're gonna close your entire office on Fridays like we did, because obviously if you have a team or if you have staff there, they're gonna be there to answer the phone, they're gonna be there to place trades, they're gonna take care of all of those Detail y things. Now, if your whole team is taking the day off, right, we're going to want to put some things into place so that our clients can understand what's happening, why it's happening, and what, you know, what do they need to do. So, one of the things I love about financial planning is there's no life threatening emergencies. No one is going to die on the table if they don't get their, you know, beneficiary changed. That day, but there are some things that pop up. So, something you're going to want to think about is what happens if a client needs to place a trade, or what happens if there is an emergency, or what happens, you know, I use emergency very loosely here, but what happens if there's something that they're working on and they need answers immediately? So, for us in a broker dealership, we had a 100 number that we could direct them to. Did I like doing that? Absolutely not. It's a terrible client experience, but. We were able to leave that, hey, if there's an emergency or if there's something you desperately, desperately need, we will not be returning your call until Monday. You know, this is our voicemail. Um, So please either leave us a message and anticipate a response on Monday or in the interim, you can call the 1-800 number and here's that detail. Um, the other thing you could do is you could have a kind of similar setup. And if you're like Libby, but I'm an RIA and I don't have a number. I mean, if you clear through Schwab, you could direct them to Schwab. Like maybe there are some ways that you could do that. The worst case scenario, and I do not recommend this, but you could have calls forwarded to someone on your team's cell phone on Fridays. And you could either kind of take turns being on call and answering the utmost emergency ones and saying, you know, if it's an emergency, we will call you back today. If not, we'll return the call on Monday. And then you just have to have that boundary in place and be judicious about the calls that you are getting and whether or not you're going to respond to them immediately or the following day. The other option here is taking turns. So let's say you have four team members and let's say you are going to take turns being on call. Um, on Fridays. And then you could call into the office at set times and just check voicemail. And so here's the thing, as you train your clients that the office is closed on Fridays, and as you, you know, come up with an eloquent way to communicate that to them, they're just going to leave messages and know that 99.9999% of the time, it's not something that has to be handled right away. And that you guys will pick up those messages on Monday And for us, it was important to us, so we did this in our client onboarding, go back to that episode and listen to, I'll link it in the show notes, and listen to the part about the expectations of our engagement. So we were just very clear with our clients from the beginning that, hey, our office is completely closed on Fridays. Look, we're a bunch of moms and we work long and hard during the week so that we can have that one day off so that we can be uh, getting all of the things done. And then that allows us, to be fully present with our families on the weekends, which keeps us from burning out, you know? And that's good for the clients, right? That's good for you because we'll be here and we'll be happy to be here. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I think that was pre-COVID, so I think now it's even maybe more accepted or more just kind of naturally understood that the work world has changed a little bit and that these buffer days for people are not only good, but super awesome and super healthy. And I think if you just are really intentional about positioning that with your clients or if you're making a massive shift and you've never done anything like that before, you can send out a giant letter, a giant email notifying clients of the change saying, hey, and I think it's just really, really important in that to include the why And not the why, like, hey, I'm Libby and I want to take off Fridays because I love sleeping in. Um, But why is it good for your clients? How does it ultimately impact or affect them in a positive way? Like, why would you as a business owner do that for their benefit? And so for me, that's what I would say is, hey, we're a bunch of parents and it's important for us to have that time to recalibrate and get all of this stuff done because families are really important to us. And so I, that's just the story that we, that we shared and it's important that we're happy and that we're balanced because, and, and, and I would straight up say this to clients, it's ha- it's important that we're happy and balanced and that everybody on the team is happy and balanced because this business is really difficult and the burnout rate is huge and longevity and stability is really important to us so we want to make sure that we're going to be here <laughs> to continue to see out you know your see your financial plan through in 5 years, 10 years, 15 years and we don't want team members burning out, we don't want turnover. We want it to maintain, you know, we really just want to maintain this stable, healthy environment for our clients. Does that make sense? You with me still? Okay, if you're multitasking, come back to me. We're going to keep going here. So we've talked about what you need to consider and having some backup plans and different ways to accomplish that. We've talked about how to communicate it to your clients and then the practicalities of actually doing it. So do I suggest you just like stop coming in on Fridays and just rip Band-Aid off and give it a go? I mean, yeah, sure, go for it. Knock yourself out and see what happens. I personally would probably suggest you starting slow, and working your way towards that. And so this is whether you're taking off on Fridays or you're trying to leave earlier, or, you know, I have some advisors that I work with that work five days a week for the first three weeks of the month and take the last week off, you know, whatever your variation looks like. But you could start slow and you could start just like leaving, you know, Fridays at one and just seeing what happens, what doesn't get done. Um, And you might be surprised that, you know, I, And I know everybody knows this and we all think it, but then in practicality, right? Like when you do it, you're like, oh wow, that actually makes a ton of sense. But the amount of time that you give something is the amount of time that it takes. So if you plan on being in the office till Friday at 5 p.m., all your crap is gonna take until Friday at 5 p.m. If you plan on being at the office until Friday at 1 p.m., all your crap is gonna take until Friday at 1 p.m. And if you can't get it all done and you are in earnest, efficiently maximizing your model week and you're not getting it done by one, Then you need to look at, well, am I really operating within a model week that's an effective model week? Do I need to delegate more of this? And what am I doing? I need to create some better strategies for productivity within my business. And that's like a whole nother podcast. I'm sure I have like five or six on that as well. So go back, listen to all the things. Just start at one. That's just going to be my suggestion. Start at podcast number one and work your way up to whatever episode number this one is. Okay, so. Hey you, yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the life, money and more podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber and actor Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show we dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Looking at slowly stepping your way in, right? And it, so you could go from five to one. You could go for, from working four Fridays to working three Fridays a month, then working to every other Friday a month, and then slowly kind of backing your way down because it is a little bit of a jarring. You know, think about it. If you work five days a week and all of a sudden you're reducing your work time by 20% by taking that day, it could be a lot. And you you might not be fully prepared for how much work you're going to need to redistribute to different parts of the week and how to do that. So I would personally say, pick a strategy to start a little bit slower and just commit to it and adjust. And I promise if you try it, you will become addicted to taking a little bit of time off. I loved it. And in fact, I loved it so much that I started taking Wednesdays off when I had my kids. So, you know, Being able to take two days off a week was a huge blessing to me as a mom um, and as a wife and as a community member. It allowed me to be involved in things. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea and I totally get that. But I do hear a lot from advisors about wanting to scale back, wanting to take that time. Okay, so let's talk about one more twist with the whole Friday situation. What if you, business owner, wanna take off but your team is going to be in the office. How do you position that with them in a way that doesn't fill them with resentment? Okay, so this is a common question. In fact, one of my best friends in the whole wide world is an advisor. And you know we worked through a couple struggles that she had in her office where there was a little bit of animosity towards taking some of that additional time. And so here's where you step into that CEO role and just be really clear with your team. So for her, what we talked about was going in and saying, hey, here's the changes that I'm going to make. I realize that I am burning out and I am not as productive. I'm not as effective during the week. I need this time for me. I need to recalibrate. I need to get all the mom stuff done so that I can be present with my kids. Right? Same thing as we're telling our clients, giving our employees or our team members the Why? And this is why this is really important. And kind of cluing them into things that sometimes I think we assume that our colleagues can see. But when you are in a client facing role and you're on all the time, you're basically performing in a lot of ways, you're performing. And that can be really exhausting. And I think if we're coming at it from the perspective of like, hey, I own the business, like, you know, in a really kind way, like I own this business, being a business owner is extremely challenging. I'm going to start working from home on Fridays. And you could even start there. I'm going to start working at home on Fridays. I'm just feeling really burned out. I think I need that day. And I'm just going to work a part, you know, a part day at home. And then eventually I'm not going to work at all. So please, you know, we're going to set some boundaries. You're not going to reach out to me on a Friday unless it's an absolute emergency. And here are the things that qualify as emergencies versus like, you know, anything and everything that you can need. Be texting me all day. Um, laying out some of those boundaries and saying, this is why this is really important for me. As the owner of the business, I need time. I need white space. I need to be able to think about the business and work on the business. Um, I need to do these things as a mom so that I can roll into the week super organized because, hey guys, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and really just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And that's Result that's showing up here at the office, right? Like I'm rolling in on Monday, not feeling calm, not feeling ready for the week, feeling like I'm drowning, and that's not serving anybody. And in order for me to be a stable employer and to be able to pay bonuses and do all of the things, this is something that I'm going to be needing to do for myself. And I'm just asking you guys to try it with me and, you know, laying out some of those boundaries and respecting some of those boundaries. And, um, And I'm thinking it'll, you know, improve my countenance and my attitude. And plus, I think me not being around will give you guys a day to actually get your stuff done. At least I know that was the case in my office. I'm a highly distracting person. (laughs) I love to walk around with a cup of coffee and talk to everybody. And so honestly, I do think my team appreciated having a day or two where I wasn't there. And not only do I distract them and talk to them and all the things, but Also, I wasn't throwing tasks at them, right? Because when I'm there in the office and I have people I can delegate to, I would be delegating all day, you know, all day, every day. And by giving them the space away from me actually allowed them to have more heads down time to work on projects for themselves. So, and you could consider building in some additional flex time for them to give them some of that flexibility. Um, One of the things that, when we used to host our two-day workshop and advisors from all over the country would come in and my team and I would train them on our systems and processes, one of the big questions that the advisors that attended were always asking my team is, you know, why do you work for Libby? Like, what do you like about working there? What do you not like about working there? And one of the things that always came to the surface was we love working here because of the flexibility. As a parent, as a mom, you know, I love being able to work four days a week or I love knowing that I can work four days a week, but if I'm going to take off Wednesday for a field trip, I can come in on Friday and make that up. So do be thoughtful about flexibility in your calendar for yourself, but also for your entire team. Okay. And I can't help but look up at the monitor while I'm recording going, oh my gosh, it's taken me almost 40 minutes to answer three questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm long-winded and it is what it is. But anyways, I hope this was really helpful for you. I hope these are some of the common questions that I get asked. And I hope some of these maybe were ones that you were thinking or noodling on and maybe gave you a little bit of detail as to how to move something forward. So kind of to recap, if you're interested in the group coaching program, make sure you get out onto the website and sign up for that wait list and it will be launching on August 24th and I'm super excited about it. And then we talked about kind of a client intel sheet or a client preference overview. Just start something, take some action today on creating a system for yourself to capture that important information and then build out in your processes a... You know, a mechanism that actually forces you to use them. So, once a year, are you gonna email your A clients and just look at their preferences and be like, hey, have you gotten any fly fishing in here recently? Or, you know, just using that as a way to continue to connect with your clients on a deeper level. And then, of course, Fridays or reducing the time in the office. If that's something that's of interest to you, make a plan. Summer is a perfect time to play with some of these strategies because things are just naturally slower during the summer and, you know, those beautiful summer days kind of lend themselves to taking a little time out of the office. So I hope these were helpful for you. If you have any questions for me or want to explore any of this further, feel free to reach out to me in the Efficient Advisor community over on Facebook. We're about 1,600 advisors large, so it's been super cool to watch it grow. And I love, love, love all the questions and answers that you guys are putting out there for each other. It's just been really cool to watch. I also hang out on LinkedIn, or you can always email me directly at efficientadvisor at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week.